Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Lisa Trigger is a New York-based stand-up comic by way of Chicago. She has her own Comedy Central half-hour and album called Glitter Cheese. She's also appeared on Late Night with Seth Meyers, Chelsea Lately, At Midnight, This Is Not Happening, Not Safe with Nikki Glaser, Horace and Pete, Adam Devine's House Party, and Lie Detectors. She recently put out her own half-hour special on Netflix as part of The Degenerates. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it! So, Lisa Traeger. Yes. Thank you for joining me, finally. Thank you. I know. It's been, I feel like we've been trying to do this for a couple months. So, last things first. uh, How much does being a a Lisa in Eliza's world (laughs) prompt you to lash out as a comedian? Be like, you're doing it wrong, society. Not lash out, because it's so different. Yeah, maybe lash out is the... No, I used to not care as much, but mm -hmm. because it happens so often, you just have to correct people. So I just have to correct people all the time, and it truly doesn't matter. And then you get two camps of people. Sometimes it's normal, but then it's people that are like overly apologetic, and it's Mm -hmm. like, truly, this isn't a problem. And then you get the people that are argumentative, and that's what's weird. Like, I had people be (laughs) like, well, I watched a clip online, and they said Liza. And it's like, yeah, they said it wrong, too. Um, But it is spelled wrong, so I can't really fault people but does that does that play into you becoming a comedian in the first place like going society is doing everything wrong no i I need to point it out no i actually just heard that there's someone he's a famous comedian Mm -hmm. and he named his child he he purposely spelled his child's name wrong because he read that it gives you character and more confidence because you constantly have to correct people growing up and I think that's stupid. But my name is Yelizaveta. Oh. So that's what it says on all my paperwork. So in school, Lisa Liza yeah, wasn't even an issue. Lisa it was sh- like Yelizaveta y- was Yelizaveta. the and true Lisa problem. Lisa is a shortening of Yelizaveta. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how much that had. Because your parents are immigrants. Your first. I'm an immigrant. I'm, I'm a half generation. Rebel. I was born in Russia. Okay. How old were you when you came over? Three. So I was still pretty young. But there so were you had no born. you had no decision in ending up in Skokie. No, I did not. But I did, <laughs> did get your to parents? go to public school, and my sister went to Jew school, so you, I was did, happy about so that. So how did your parents end up in Skokie? Well, we came to America on religious asylum, mm-hmm. um, so a bunch of... Back when that was possible. Yes. <laughs> and now all those Russian Jews are all fucking Republicans now, mm-hmm. and they're racist, and they're disgusting, <laughs> except for my sister and her best friend, but like... Almost everyone we grew up with, all my family in Brighton Beach, they're all like Trump pieces of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we, everyone went to Brighton Beach. I don't really know how we ended up in Chicago, but it just happened with the Jewish United Fund and immigration. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I did not grow up in Brighton Beach. Like my life would be so different. So we moved to Rogers Park, which is a super Jewy area of um, Chicago. And then after a couple of years, we moved to Skokie, and it's pretty Jewy. And then my sister's boyfriend, who's now her husband, lived there. Okay. And so I think that <laughs> that's why we knew about Skokie. But yeah, it's just like Jewy, and um, it's the beginning of the North Shore in a way. So it's before all the rich suburbs. Okay. Um, and also, Oof. there's a train from the city, so my mom can go to work. Nice. So we're like close to Chicago and to all the like ritzier suburbs. Did that make starting out your comedy career in Chicago seem like a given? 
it was it's a blessing and I'm so grateful for it because I know a lot of people have to like move to Chicago or move to different cities or start mm-hmm. in New York, which is so hard. So I just feel really lucky that I got to start in Chicago and that it was convenient. And then I got to live with my parents for a long time of it and save money. JK, just spend everything. But <laughs> um, work. Yeah, it was nice. I got to live at home. So as a, as a child immigrant of immigrants. Yeah, that's what got me into comedy. Like not so much my name being Lisa, but I think it's um, having like an outsider perspective on stuff for sure. Um, but did they also kind of frown upon comedy as a career choice because of no. being... No, okay. I don't think they understood it, to be honest, but my mom said something really sweet once, and she said, every year there's progress, so how can we be mad? Okay. And so that was really kind. And then um, also, when I was... Um, Late teens, early twenties, I got arrested a bunch. I was like, I went, I got arrested like three times, and had to go serve a couple days in jail, and lost my license, and was like drinking all the time. And so I think they were ha- like, comedy actually mm-hmm. straightened me out. Oh. So they were pretty thrilled that I was like doing something every night mm-hmm. that I had uh, fr- that I was like consistent and not being a psychopath. <laughs> what was the Chicago comedy scene like when you started? It was awesome. Um, who was part of your entry um, class? Well, the people were, I guess, older than me. But who I was with, my like crew that mm-hmm. st- that you that people like Megan Gailey, um, Lauren Vino, Drew Michael, who's kind of an enemy now, but what are you gonna <laughs> do? Um, and then Marty DeRosa is like one of my favorite person. Danny Callis, mm-hmm. um, Joe Kilgallen. I just talked to him on the phone yesterday. Um, Will Miles, Clark Jones, Kenny DeForest, Lane Pichelle. Um, Soren Choksi, that's like my crew, I guess. Yeah. Maybe well, I'm forgetting people, but I started right as everyone left. So, yeah, I was just the about generation to say, so, before me is so like, like Jared the, Logan, um, Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail's the one, even one before. Maybe that's what Jared, like Hannibal, mm-hmm. uh, Pete Holmes, TJ Miller, like yeah. all that is like right before me. Okay. They all left. So, the first, like, I started a show really early in my comedy career with Lauren Vino and Renee Schultz, who doesn't where, do comedy anymore. Where was that show at? Chicago Joe's every Thursday, and it was so cool. It Wait, was like Chicago a place Joe's. To be. I haven't been there. It's, oh, well, it's just, it's not a thing anymore. Okay. Well, it's there, but it's under the Lincoln Park. Lodge, but I haven't It's been actually Chicago. like a few blocks away from okay. the Lodge. And it was like a rib restaurant, but the, the restaurant is in Wayne's World, like oh. in one of the mm-hmm. montages of Chicago. Nice. Right. So that's like its claim to fame. It was run by a bunch of cokehead losers that were so mean and dumb, but <laughs> it was the place to be. And mm-hmm. I felt so cool. You know, I started when I was 21. So I just felt like it was awesome. It was the place to hang out after every show. It was a full party. Everyone would hang out there. And it was just a great time in my life. Is there a sense that because that class before Oh, you, Vatera is, you know, the class before yeah, me. I is, love him. Is, is there a sense that because that class had all just moved out that there was, like, an opening for all of you kids to jump in that wasn't there maybe yeah. the year before? And I think it happened when all of us moved, too, mm-hmm. for the people before. Yeah, I think absolutely. Like, suddenly there's all these spots available. How long were you in Chicago before you decided to make the move? Um, like five and a half years. Okay. A long time. Um, I wasn't really ever ready and then a bunch of my friends moved and then um, I knew I wanted to come to New York and not LA. Why? And then Megan Gailey was like let's, cause our friend, like Will, Kenny Clark had already moved here mm-hmm. and she was like we'll sleep in their basement. <laughs> like there's a hallway in the basement, there's an air mattress, let's just get out there. So I was like okay let's do it. So without her I don't think I would have I like that both of you are just like, yeah, there's an air mattress in a basement. That's perfect. Yeah, kind <laughs> like, of. Like, that's the dream. 
Yeah. Like, there's no. Uh, yeah, it was just like, all right, let's no do it. Pre, there's no pre-delusion about it. It's like. No, no pre-delusion. And then when we finally got. so, But there was a flooding. It was like wild. So when we got there, the whole basement was like flooded and gross. For there your, was no your living space. Yeah, so we like slept upstairs on the couch, and then so we found an apartment quicker mm-hmm. than we thought we were, and then okay. we stayed with other friends who were out of town. Oh, the Joyces, our fr- good friends, but we like stayed with other people, and then me and her found a place in Hell's Kitchen. We shared a bed in a one bedroom railroad for about six months until our building super climbed through our bedroom window and spied on us what? on a ladder. I caught him in the window. What? With Sabrina Jalice was over, and our friend Charlie Satello. I don't know if you know him from yeah. South by. So we were hanging out. Megan was at Monday Night Football, I remember, because she was getting dressed, and I heard whistling all day. She had day. to her sports career. Yeah. So her parents <laughs> were in town. The Colts were playing. Mm-hmm. You know, the Giants or Jets. I don't know the right. leagues. But um, so I remember telling Megan as she was getting dressed for football, I was like, oh, yeah, I heard whist- I-, I heard birds. I'm like, we have birds outside. That's so sweet. And she's like, really? I was like, yeah, I've been hearing birds all morning. And then later, you know, Charlie and Sabrina were over. And the building super came and started knocking on the door. And I forgot his name, but I was like, if it's not you, I'm not letting you in. And it was mm-hmm. him. And he was drunk. And he was like, come come, come, drink with me. And I was like, I have company. I don't want to drink with you. He's like, come to the basement. I have booze. Like, And I was like, dude. And Sabrina knew it was creepy. So she, yeah. she taped it. Okay. And then the whistling started. And Sabrina goes, that's not birds. <laughs> and she went to the window and pulled back the curtain. And it was just this like grown Puerto Rican man elbows in, in the window. I'm laughing, but it's... It's really scary. I'm so glad I wasn't alone. That would have been awful. And Sabrina's like a strong person. But then I was so glad there was like a dude there too. And he kind of handled the situation. But then when I went to the cops the next day, they couldn't do anything about it because he wasn't jerking off or um, videotaping. So there was no crime. And then we moved out immediately. He was just a peeping Puerto Rican. Yeah. But he had keys to everything. It was just uh, scary. So we left immediately and slept at friends' houses and then got a place in Williamsburg. And then lived there for three and a half years. I did. She moved to LA. She hated it here. These are not the things that were in your uh, going away video that you and Megan made. No, wait, what <laughs> video was that? I remember when I was doing a, a profile piece on Megan, I saw that you two had made a video your last day in Chicago. Oh, is it also with dresses? And You're like, like moving dancing? out of, yeah. <laughs> You're moving we out of Chicago. It was like a pilot. <laughs> I rem- yeah, that's so funny. Like, but we're gonna we're gonna make it in New York. No, the best oh, thing was There's gonna be creepy guys and flooding in the basement. And- before we moved, our friends threw us a roast. Okay, and that was really exciting. And so everyone roasted us, and then we roasted everyone, and then we roasted each other. And it was like it felt like my wedding. It was nice. <laughs> it was really cool. How other than dealing with pervy supers? Yeah, and pervy comedians. <laughs> how? How was the adjustment process to New York comedy for you? For me, it was so easy, and I feel like uh, guilty saying it, but it was like a breeze because um, because of the exodus of everyone from Chicago older than us moving, we kind of knew what to do. So we knew that like Hannibal would visit New York all the time. Mm-hmm. So we would visit – like I visited New York a few times and did shows. Before and then, moving. Before moving, and I also did a bunch of festivals. So I met people, and then I – and then about 15 of my friends from Chicago moved here before Megan and I even got to New York. So we had our crew. So it, you're not as desperate to make friends or make a social circle. And you're not like, oh, do I know anyone? Like, I knew a lot of people at the mics. <laughs> had Clark and, and Kenny taken over the Sunday mic from Hannibal? Oh, not the mic. The show? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So that I, helps, too. Yeah. Or maybe it was, like, right around that time. And then mm-hmm. I got Montreal that year. So, like... 
I moved in May, June or May, mm-hmm. and then I got J. I got new faces, and then I got written up about. So it was like it was just kind of perfect timing because you kind of get buzz when you do that. So then people, I just yeah, and then. Um, when I visited, people were really good to me, like Christine from The Stand. Okay. Well, she doesn't work there anymore. But she was, like, really helpful. Like, yeah, people were just, like, really helpful because I had come visited and I did good on the shows. I hear. So I had an easy time, so I feel really guilty right, because about I, that. I hear from a lot of people who were doing great in the city where they were. Yeah. And then they move here and then they have to start all over again at the open mics. And- no, it's really, I got, yeah, I feel really grateful because I know a lot of that's what sucks. It's like the people that I moved with, a lot of them still are doing my it's it yeah, it's really it is hard for a lot of people. And so when people are like, How is it? I'm like, Yeah, pretty fucking smooth for me. It's not gonna be like that for everybody. <laughs> um how is Montreal for you? That first year? Yeah. It was great. I mean, I went unrepped and all I wanted was my manager I knew I wanted Sam Safer. Because I was Mateo's manager at the time, and so, like, that was my goal. And he was from Chicago, too. Yeah. Okay. But he, like, only did comedy for, like, seven months before moving to New York. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he I consider him part. Like, when Megan and I, we came to do She-Devil, and that's oh, right. where that I was... met Sabrina, uh, <laughs> Julius, who's become a really, you know, close, mm-hmm. close friend. But I forgot to mention Mateo up top, but he is, mm-hmm. like, obviously someone I love she a lot. was like She-Devil was, like, a comedy contest just for the ladies? Yes. <laughs> and it's, like, a scam because you ca- you pay to apply and then a lot of the girl like you only get two minutes so then it's like all these people coming to do shorts it's it's a scam it's definitely a scam but i did you get anything out of that or i met sabrina okay that was huge and yeah there was some bonding through the yeah well (laughs) because megan and i survivors of she devil well megan and i like crushed in the first round Mm -hmm. and got moved up and then you get three minutes in the next round (laughs) Well, we didn't do good. We didn't move on, and one of our enemies did. So we were like pissed. Uh-huh. So we just sat in the back, and you know that space is tiny. And we got wasted on rumplements and hate, and we're like heckling people. I mean, we were like bad. And then what, that, we the, saw yeah, Sabrina. Yeah, that's before it was taken over by the stand. Yes, and then we saw like Sabrina, yeah. and we just were like, we like her. So we started like cheering for her, and she's like, well, who are these drunk bitches <laughs> that love me? So. um she, but now that I know her, I know she was just using us for the car that I had <laughs> because I know her so well. But at the time, she was like, why don't you guys come over? We'll smoke weed and watch our, my ve- wedding video. She had just gotten married. And okay. so that for me and Megan, nothing is better than that. Like <laughs> weed and weddings. It's like all we ever wanted. So we went to her house. We got high and like, that but I know like she, a, that sounds like a show pitch. Have you pitched that before? No. <laughs> weed and weddings. Oh, I don't. Maybe. We should. Yeah. Meg, I'm actually going to be a bridesmaid at Megan's wedding this year. Oh. She asked me recently. I'm really excited. Very nice. Um, but, um, and then Sandy happened um, then. Superstorm so, Sandy. So we escaped. Like, I remember, yeah, because Megan was supposed to do a knitting factory and we had to, like, leave town and drive back because the storm was coming and we left Mateo's house. We, like, had our last breakfast and had to grab the car and leave, and we were, like, chasing the storm. But And she was, like, mad that she had to miss a knitting factory. But but, but, did, I, was, but I was grateful for that trip for right. just meeting Sabrina. But then getting back to doing Unwrapped, all oh, you yeah. wanted was getting repped by a specific rep. Yes, and that and so I, like, heard so, so, so much about her through my friends, mm-hmm. and then I met her, and, like, because I had some weird thing where one agency was, like, hip-pocketing me. You right, because that, uh, that's an interesting... Uh, strategy going to Montreal and like I want to get rep by a specific person because then you have to court them as much as 
you're getting yes. quartered. Yeah, so I actually had a thing because this agency was hip-pocketed and getting me gigs, but mm-hmm. they didn't. I didn't know how things worked. I'm like a young comic, so right. I got unwrapped, and then in the elevator, one of the guys from the agency is like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I'm unwrapped. They're like, oh, really? <laughs> and so they were like mad, and I was, you know, I'm young and stressed, and I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do, and Mateo was like, she'll help you. So she like talked to me for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then my whole set, I was like, I just, I, I need to fucking kill it. But I was last on the show. Which is fine, but before, like, before the comic before me, the the host was like, just the last comic, but it wasn't. There was two more. (laughs) So when I walked on stage, people were chatting already Mm -hmm. and leaving. So it was, when I started my set, I was like, I'm about to fucking bomb at Montreal. This blows. And then once I got everyone, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm doing whatever I want. And I probably blew the light by four or five minutes. (laughs) I was like, fuck all of you. How dare you? And so I just I'm blew the light. Wait. And yeah, you stay here with me. Yeah, and Drew was making fun. He's like, I, he kept seeing the lighting person like keep lighting me. And he's like, no, she sees it. She's just not going to listen. <laughs> Which venue is this? It was like the big one. The theater? Yeah. Sinkium Sal? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, but then what the, you know, they do like an encore mm-hmm. of the new faces. Yeah. A lot of people came up to me and they're like, yeah, we like heard that we missed this great comic. And yeah, like a lot of people left. You it know, gave they you really some extra buzz. They yeah, kind of. But they put me in a. I hate that host. Like fuck you. You know. Um, but and then afterwards, me and Sam, like we just like hugged and cried, and mm-hmm. we knew we were gonna work together. <laughs> and it was great. Now and secretly, which yeah, I knew that I met with an age my agent now that I wanted. So I kind of knew that I wanted. I knew who I wanted. Okay. Yeah. Did things, did having representation change things for you overnight in terms of what yeah. you were getting and how yeah, things were moving Yeah, that's through? like the one thing that is either good or bad how, wherever you are in your career. But like, I think being repped is 100% everything. It's awesome. Did you have a day job? Yeah, I was still? a backup nanny. Um, and then... What was the moment when you realized you didn't have to do that anymore. It was the week that I got past at the cellar and was going to take my Comedy Central half hour. Um, I quit the day job. I was like, I think I can <laughs> I think I can do it. Because I did like joking off and I did some shows and things like that. But like that, MTV that stuff was the and week. True mm-hmm. TV. And- yeah. I don't even know if, if True TV then. But yeah, that was the week. It was in June and I was like, I'm out. I'm done babysitting. And I canceled on a family that I did really love. I felt bad, but what are you going to do? But then they get to watch you on do a half hour on Comedy Central. And they're, <laughs> I don't know. And probably like, oh, we might not want to leave her with our kids <laughs> knowing what her comedy is like. Well, yeah, I did get to babysit for – because it was backup care, so it's with an mm-hmm. agency. So I babysat lots of families, but I babysat oh, like being for a, substitute a fiction teacher. writing. Yes, I was a substitute backup – like yeah. substitute nanny. Yeah. I don't know why I never thought of that word to describe it, but it's perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, and they were they were really supportive, the writing family. Now, how did you get – I sort of know this, but how did you get Horace and Pete? Um, just from hanging out at the cellar. Yeah, um, we were like at the table, and I was talking to a couple friends about an, a crazy edible that I ate. And Louis started asking questions about weed, and we like chit chatted. And then mm-hmm. I went to do my set, and I think he watched my set. And then he, and then afterwards, he's like, "We'll keep in touch." And then he, and then um, I, I knew Gail Keller is like one of the best casting directors in the city, and he, and that's who did this show. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I'll have Gail reach out to you." And then that was it. Well, and I'm, then I went to a table read. 
because I remember I was just standing outside the cellar one night, and Louis came up to me and he goes, "Have you seen Lisa Traeger?" And I'm like, "Oh wow, I didn't know this." Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, uh, "No, I don't remember seeing her tonight." And he's like, "Oh okay," and he, but he was like very determined yeah. to find you. And then after he left, I was like. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on mu- on multiple levels, I'm like, I wonder what that's about. Yeah, it was the best. But then, I but then, the but then Horace, but then Horace and Pete came out. I was like, oh, okay, it was for that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> it that. was for a good thing. It was for a good thing. It was an amazing thing. It was like what did the best experience of my life, probably. <sighs> but filming that, like nobody knew what was going on. Correct. What? So what was production like? Yeah, well, Did so, he tell you guys that he was just making this in secret? And... Yes. It was like, yeah, do not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I didn't know how, exactly how secret or whatnot. Right. And there were table reads, and obviously, like, the stars of the show were working longer than I just arrived. But basically, we would, like, do a table read Monday, mm-hmm. rehearse Tuesday, film Wednesday, Thursday, and then Saturday would come out. So that's what the weekly schedule was. And did you... Did you receive any sort of immediate attention from that? Because it was just appearing at the beginning. It was just appearing on his website. Yeah, there was no. He did no press, right. no nothing um, for it at all. It was like a slow burn. Yeah, I got like a couple people reaching out. I guess. Yeah, no, I got some attention for sure. But I don't know how many people have seen it. You yeah, know? I that's really don't I'm... know. <laughs> I have no. That's idea. why I'm asking you because you were one of the. Yeah. The, Virtual unknowns in, a, in some, a cast that had a lot of people in it. Yeah, I got some messages and stuff, but I don't really. I guess I don't really um, care. <laughs> no, I like <laughs> obviously attention's good. It would be a lie to mm-hmm. say otherwise. But I've learned like I remember this is when it hit me. Um, what there was one year. So David Tell is like one of my favorites of all time, and I'm obsessed He's with him. One of the best of all time. Yeah, exactly. Like I saw him when I was 18, and I've just um, I would just kind of stalk him when he'd come to Chicago, and he's really truly my favorite. And I got to open for him at Caroline's over Thanksgiving weekend. But my nephew was getting bar mitzvah on the Thursday of Thanksgiving. My sister is Wait, like thrifty. The it's Thursday annoying. of Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and my niece got on mitzvah on Memorial Day Monday. Like, she's a weirdo, but it is what it is. So, uh, but it worked out great because I got to open from Wednesday, fly home Thursday morning, come uh-huh. back Friday and open from Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And everyone at the bar mitzvah was like, oh, are you going to get something from it? What's next? What's And I'm like, no, this is the prize. Right. Like, d- being able to work with Dave Attell is everything I've ever wanted. So, like, I don't. If nothing else ever happens, like, this is the prize. I don't do things to see what happens next. And that's what happened with Horse and Pete, too, where it's like, oh, any acting? What's happened? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that was the prize. Like, right. I don't need anything to come from it. Um, it was the best thing of my life. I got to work with Steve Buscemi. Like, what? Yeah. It's, um, I got to hang out with Alan Alda. Like, he celebrated his birth. We were eating cake, like an office party with Alan Alda on set. Like, it that was the gift. So yeah. I don't... <laughs> That happens a lot where it's like, well, what's next? And it's right. like, I don't know. It was fun to do it. <laughs> Same with late night with everything. It's always the question is always what's going to come of it. And I think experiencing it right. is the thing. Did that make when you when you got the Netflix offer, did that make did that make you more emboldened to do what you ended up doing? In what way? Well, when they when they approached you, did they already have the theme concept or did they just no, say you're going to get it? 
Oh, like the dirty concept? Yeah. Yeah, they were doing a dirty, okay, so it's dirty not like, half hour. It's not just you're going to get a half hour. It's like you're getting a half hour, but it's because you're going to be yeah. in the dirty set. No, I knew they were looking to do dirty half hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. But you approached it differently from everybody else. Okay. You watched, I it. You watched the I others. I haven't watched any of them. It really stresses me out because I don't want to see myself in the intro. I like really don't mm-hmm. want – I don't watch anything. No, I was really uh, taping. It was hard. Like after I taped it, mm-hmm. um, I was pretty depressed for a while. And I every time I had to watch it to edit it, I was like in tears. Like I hated it. Why did you hate it? It's just I don't know. I don't really enjoy doing it. even like proofing the photos. I like hated my hair. Like it's just um, different from so, Comedy Central. The process for that. I didn't watch that. I actually I did watch it. But I got blackout not, drunk because my friend. My were you not part of the process for? Proofing and editing. No, for no, for, okay, no. so you didn't have to watch it over and over. No, and then Sam had like a, a party, like a viewing mm-hmm. party, but I just ended up getting so drunk, so I don't really know <laughs> what it was. Okay, but for Netflix, okay, so you haven't watched the other deplorables. No, I was um, around, I mean, that's what sucks because I like, you know, <laughs> I like them. I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. I love Yam and Big J and stuff, but. Uh, you- you didn't even, like, watch the tapings, or... No, I watched Yams and Christina Przinsky's. Okay. I'm um, live. Okay. Um, so you did see them. Yeah, okay. I did see their shows. Because most of... Most everybody else talked about themselves being dirty or deplorable, whereas uh-huh. you, like, flipped it and, like, no... You guys are the worst. Deplo- <laughs> the worst. <laughs> that's the thing. Um, you know, what, the Lisa Liza. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what now, because I want to be brought up with the credit because mm-hmm. I want people to f- watch it. Um, and people always forget it's degenerates. They say deplorables. Oh, yeah. They pl- they I say, just did that. Yeah. I said deplorables. It's degenerates. <laughs> yeah. But there's another word. Like, but people really don't. They always say a different word, which is fine. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Deplorables is in the zeitgeist. Because of Hillary Big and stuff. And Trump, so. yeah. All those Russian Jews who left Trump. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not them. No. Yeah, but, so yeah, they all talked about how they were degenerates. Yeah. And then you got up and you were like, no, it's the men who are the problem. Yes. But I had some I mean, I may, stuff. I may get drunk, I may get arrested, but yeah. I'm still <laughs> nothing compared to these men out there. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to prove a point. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing that. Like, I didn't come up with that bit for... For Netflix. Right? For the... You know, I've been doing that bit for maybe a year or two. So... But I was thrilled. I was, like, excited to do it, for sure. And then I do a joke about um, the hookup I had in London, the mm-hmm. evidence. I don't know. Like, uh, gathering evidence when you fuck strangers, <laughs> just in case you're murdered. But he messages me all the time. He got excited. I have not I have not seen him or fucked him in years, but um, he, he was excited. He, and then he's like, he, I'm watching it with all my friends. They don't believe me that I know you. Like, can, will you text me back? And then... I'm the one she's talking about. Yeah, he's like, really? And then he texted me last week and all he wrote was boobs. Um, like, he, yeah, what a weirdo. But um, so he's messaged me, which is funny. Did you feel like doing that kind of a set do you feel like you got any sort of blowback from that or I don't know or positive lots of positive from- but what I realized in my notifications I don't get notified by people who don't follow me mm-hmm. so I don't see any bad stuff ever okay so I'm living in a fantasy land but uh, well you were yeah the when we were supposed to record this yeah uh you had 
You MSNBC. Do, you, no. you, right, you couldn't do it because you had stuff going on at the apartment building. Oh, yeah. But it was, but it was also the same yeah. day as the fallout from you were on MSNBC yeah. talking smack about Bernie Sanders. Yeah, but again, I didn't see any of the blowback. And then my friend texted me going, I don't, need you, I don't want you to worry, but they found some tweets of yours. And I had to, like, go search for that. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I'm not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm. I, yeah, I'm not for everyone, but uh, I don't want to see people write mean shit to me. Has that been your social media strategy from the get-go? No, I didn't. Yeah, I delete. I mean, sometimes I'll argue I'm only human. Like, some mm-hmm. things get you mad enough or you're just like, whatever. But, like, no, it's, uh, yeah. Well, Madonna has this thing where she said, like, if you don't want to listen to the negative, you can't listen to the positive. Like, if you want to believe one, you have to believe the other. So you right. kind of, like, ignore it all. But it is nice to get compliments, you know, in person. But I don't need – like, I do our – like, I do certain people's podcasts, um, and they hate me. They hate the sound of my voice. Um, you know, I'm like, upspeak, valley girl, you're a fucking idiot. And it's like death threat. It's just like, I don't need – what do I need that for? Like, well, uh, you're going to call me fat? Like, all right. I don't know. It's just, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't want it. Well, and also just being a woman. And on, on Twitter, it's media. fine. On Twitter, be mean to me. But, like, sometimes, like, there's a photo of me, my nephew, and his new dog. Mm-hmm. And people were writing shit under that photo. And it's like, don't come on my Instagram. And that's what's weird. So, right. like, I don't, we are coming to photos of me and my friends and family enjoying my life. And you're writing, like, horrific things. It's just, it's weird. So how do you... And then it's... And their goal is to shut me up, right? Right. So it's like their whole goal is to make it so miserable that I don't say anything. So it's like I have to just delete... Because I had to like change my comments that only people that follow me can comment. And it's like, that's not what I want to do. I posted all these photos from AVN and it's like, I want to know... I want other porn fans to like us to talk about it. And it's like they... Their whole goal is to change the way... I live. Right. And that's like, fuck you. Right. That's something that, that women experience much more in Twitter and Instagram and Facebook yeah. than men do. Yeah. Because men are trash. Yeah. As you mentioned in The Degenerates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not and only as, do I mention as, it. And as the real world proves. But I don't mention it. I I let them hang themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I ask. That's like what my favorite part is. And I was really inspired by Elephant in the Room. Um, Patrice is special. But it's yeah. just like. I ask them a question and their answers are what proves how terrible they are. It's right. like, obviously they're leading questions and I know what I'm doing, but like, prove me wrong, motherfuckers. And you can't. Right. But then, but then we also somehow live in a, in a world where the social media, if you say men are trash, yeah. you'll get suspended or banned Yes, from social media for, yeah. for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Because so guess who's working at Facebook? It's like, you know, just privileged, gross dudes who get mad at, I mean, so how do you yeah. so how do you maintain a presence then on these platforms? Well, so I haven't been on Twitter since the Bernie mm-hmm. stuff. Did you um, delete those tweets or No, I think my manager did. I mean the the thing is I learned a lot through that whole experience and it's humiliating because I was told scrub your Twitter, make mm. sure you scrub your Twitter, go through your Twitter and I like I was like I'm a great person. There's no way. <laughs> Like, I'm a sociology major. Mm-hmm. I am, like, so aware of what's happening in the world. I understand what we live in. Like, I get racism. I have uh, so many friends of color that explain so many things to me. Like, I know it. There's no way I have racist stuff. And um, I did. Yeah. Lots of it. So much. 
so much. It's like it was shocking because I I was I was like nah like I was truly shocked, um, I, but it was embarrassing. Were and those drunken weed stuff or just? No, I'm sure that it was funny. I don't know. Most of them were from like 2012, but there was a really bad one from 2016, and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? No, it was like horrifying. And I was with, I mean, 15 of them are like Asian tweets. It's like mm-hmm. so much Asian stuff. And I was with my Filipino friend mm-hmm. as. Uh, this was happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was with Megan and her mother too, uh-huh. and so I mean, it's Megan's fiance. So it's like, all right, CJ. Yeah. So, CJ, so, what, so what does he say when he's looking at? But these? he know he's known me. Like right. I've known we've known each other since I was twenty one years old, and so. So what does he say to you? He was just deleting them for me. <laughs> so he's the one that knew some programs. So, uh-huh. but he was reading them out loud, and I was horrified. But we were laughing too because uh-huh. it's like they're so bad, and it's like. And he kept being like, Jesus, what is wrong with you? You know, like, yeah, it was uh, humiliating. And to have Megan's mom there, I mean, we were laughing, which is, you know, probably I shouldn't mm-hmm. say that. But, yeah, it was embarrassing because I – it was yeah, but he was, like, helping me delete them. But um, I was really embarrassed um, and I was mostly scared of my friends. Like, I just didn't want – I didn't want to lose friends. Like, I really was nervous that people in my life were going to be not my friend anymore. And the people that I was most worried about actually were the first people to text me. Um, And they're all comics, but, like, I just got so many texts from my friends being like, these suck. Please don't use the N-word again. What's wrong with you? But love you. We know who you are. Like, it's Mm -hmm. fine. You know, like, and that was most important because I was, like, stressed out for sure. I was really scared. And then once my friends reached out, I felt a lot more calm because that those are the people who know me and that's all that truly matters. Um, but then it's like I was told not to say anything and I was like, no, I'm embarrassed. Like these suck. So I put out an apology, but I'm also not successful or famous. So it's like uh, I wouldn't say success. I, I do feel successful, but I'm not famous or well known. Mm-hmm. So I, like no one really actually like what. Not a lot of people even saw it, so right. to even apologize, and then I try to make it's not a like joke. Kevin Hart or Roseanne. Yeah, but then I try to make a joke about like I thought I'd have to be successful, and then people, whatever. <laughs> I sent out this apology, mm-hmm. but then the people that don't like, they don't think you're sincere, and then people took the joke I tried to make about like that I'm not like I thought I'd be successful and rich before this happened. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh yeah, real accountability. Like you thought you could get away with you want this, you want that, and like. That it was just like a lot where oh so people don't even think I'm sincere people are like you're scared of your career and this and that you're just now people just know what an awful person you are um, yeah so then it's like it was just this lesson of you can't control what people are gonna think about you and then self like self centeredly I'm sure people didn't think about me but all the because I hate misogynists and I hate so many dudes I do comedy with and I'm always like ugh you're a fucking domestic violence joke you're a piece of shit and so I kind of like was also mad that all these people are gonna get pleasure off of like oh you think you're so high and mighty policing all of us and like look at you with your racist shit right and I'm sure they didn't think about me at all but I was embarrassed about that that like um. I was just, yeah, but you can't control the way people think about you. Like, if they don't want to like you, they're not going to think your apology is sincere. They're going to think you're a racist. And the fact of the matter is if I saw someone tweet those, I would also, I would think the worst of me. So I can't really do it. And then to prove to someone you're not something, I don't know, you sound like Paula Dean being like, I'm not racist. And it's like, yeah, you are, bitch. But yeah. Ari, I don't know. And so it's like I just have to keep living my life. Like, I don't want to have to, like... 
I'm not going to go parade all my friends out or be like, I actually do this or that. Like, that's gross, too. And so you just have to live. I don't do know. Second, There's nothing I could do. Do you second guess yourself now when you go to tweet? Or? Well, I haven't been on Twitter since. Okay. I'm going to get my password back. My manager changed my password because she didn't want me to, like, If only they could do that with mind. the president. Like, change yeah. his password, not tell him. No, but I also learned so much because I'm someone that was like, yep, Kevin Hart, what a homophobe, fuck you, whatever, you're mm-hmm. not sorry. And all of a sudden, I'm in this position where it's right. like, oh, there's more to me than these things. And I don't believe, because some of the stuff was bad. And like, I don't, I did believe it at the time, and mm-hmm. I don't anymore. And I have grown, and I don't know, there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to jump off a bridge. Like, what do, I don't know what right. the expectation is. It's like I'm not sex with a bunch of Asians. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah I actually have never not the, not the guy in London. Though. I have not, to not the guy in London. Though. He's brown. Yeah. I don't know. That was fun. So on a lighter note, so, no, but it, yeah. it was just like a lot of learning, and it's like how do you differentiate between these things and who you right. are as a person? How do you prove to people that don't want to believe it? And if people do think I'm bad, I don't blame them. It's like yeah, and I'm not entitled. To, for you to forgive me in any way. So if you're not into it, you don't have to be. And I'm just grateful for the people that know that my apology is sincere. And I don't know. Did uh, I wonder if being able recently to hang out with a bunch of porn stars? Yeah. Did that? Uh, did any of them give you any sort of? No, because they don't know about me. I mean, the thing but, that people but don't porn know. Stars, but porn stars face the same kind of so thing. Famous, like, where yeah. people think one thing of them because of what they've done on yeah. camera. And no matter what they do, they're always going to be tied to the thing that... Yeah, but that's such a bigger thing because that's just, like, misogyny and sexism Mm -hmm. and, like, puritanical sexual beliefs in our country. It's, like, such a bigger issue than, like, just what they're doing on camera. Like, yeah, we hate sluts as a society, you know? Um, So... We hate sluts, but we need sluts. Yeah, that's what's so fucked up. It's like Riley Reid has over a billion streams, Mm -hmm. and yet... Other people, ju- it's like you're all watching her, but you right. won't pay for it, and you're not respectful. And I don't know. I kept it fun, and I was just, I'm a how, fan. Yeah. So. How are you? In, how are you invited there? What was your? Um. Well, I did a show for Brazzers last August. It was okay. the Spit Roast. Brazzers is a porn site. Yeah, and it was so fun, mm-hmm. and it was a bunch of comics from. Oh it right, they did. Stars. Yeah, they did a comedy special. Yeah. That was a roast that yeah. included comedians and porn. But stars. it ended up not being a roast because we couldn't actually say anything bad. <laughs> It was like, you can't talk about abuse or drugs uh-huh. or the unfair treatment or the pay or the bad about the companies or contract. Don't make them feel bad. It's a exactly. road, but don't make them feel bad. Which was actually great because mm-hmm. all of us that did it were our fans of porn mm-hmm. and we are all kind of dirty comics. Right. So we just performed for all the porn stars and they loved it and had a great time and were laughing and like it felt really cool. And so um, once I found out Cardi B was going to be at the AVNs, I just was like, I need to get, I need to get there. So, um, so yeah, Brazzers just contacted, yeah. So Brazzers, um, yeah, flew me out, did everything, and I worked at the expo for like a day, um, just interviewing, playing games, mm-hmm. getting, and then I had ten minutes where I had to hype up the crowd, which is so hard because it's like there's all these <laughs> hot porn stars, and it's like no one wants to see me no one wants glitter um, cheese no so i did like a game with the girls and mm-hmm. like it was good um and okay. the browsers people helped me and it was a really fun time and then comedy central hopped on board and i got to do red carpet interviews for them nice yeah so not to not to sound like your family yeah but what's next <laughs> um <laughs> what's next for lisa um do you have a do you have a game up. plan 
I do, but you know, I had a pilot last year, and then it with whom with True TV, and it was okay. scripted, and it was something I'd worked on for like four years. Oh, wow, um, and writing the script and everything, and then it didn't happen, and so now I've learned that like. Yeah, everyone's just constantly working and nothing's real until it's real. So it's like, I don't know. I'm working on lots of things and who knows what's going to happen or when. Mm -hmm. Like, you just constantly have to be doing things that you like. But stand up always. I want an hour by 2020. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Edinburgh. I'm going to like. This year or 2020? Um, No, this year. Yeah. I want to just do comedy. You haven't been before. No. I've done Glasgow and I've been to Dublin and mm-hmm. I've performed in London, but yeah, no Edinburgh. But the Edinburgh Fest is a whole different mm-hmm. thing. Doing a month, yeah. But I'm gonna go with a comic who I'm friends with, okay. and we're gonna live together. And I know a couple others. And because I was in Australia a couple of years ago, I met a bunch of UK people, mm-hmm. and I- I'm thrilled. I'm really excited, and I'm scared. Of course, everything new is scary. Even the yeah. porn awards, like I learned a lot. I've never done red carpet interviews. I've never been around people I'm like super big fans of and I was overwhelmed and I was really kind of nervous and I didn't yeah like new situations are always nerve-wracking so yeah just growing I yeah stand up all the time you know I had like four spots last night I'm just doing tons of stand up want to be on the road great comedy and then I'm writing like I'm working on stuff and developing things but it's like you just have to you just are working and there's all this hidden stuff and then you're constantly pitching. They want it. They don't. You're developing. Yeah. Never mind. So it's like, who knows? So if you were to go back to Chicago or to Skokie and like do like a career day at your high school, mm-hmm. and there's an 18 year old girl who wants to do stand up, yeah, what you know, would there's you... another stand up from my high school. I went to elementary, junior high, and high school with Esther Pavitsky. Okay, we did theater together. <laughs> so you were in the same time. She was a year younger than me, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, she was like my kindergarten buddy when I was in first grade, and we did theater together. But we didn't really like each other until we were mm. grown-ups. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you like each other I, now. Yeah, I was like jealous of her mm-hmm. purple Uggs, and <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so if you and Esther are back there for career day. Well, we were hopefully going to go back because our high school is doing the musical Chicago. Oh. So we might go back to watch. So if you go back to watch. Yeah. And... A, a young Career. girl com- okay. comes up and asks you, oh, I want to get into stand-up and have my own Netflix and do mm-hmm. this. What do you tell that girl? Um, I Okay. I would say you have to go to open mics, mm-hmm. and you're going to bomb, or you're going to do well, or whatever, but you have to just like keep doing mics um, every day, um, and then don't be a dick rider. Like, don't try to be, don't, like, find who's important or who you think is cool and bother them, because mm-hmm. that's annoying. Find people at your level and, like, who are also starting out and find a good friend group and, like, actually develop real friendships with people, not superficial ones or not just, like, work friendships, but, like, have good friends, because then you guys can do road trips and, you know, do shows and go to festivals together. And so it's, like, get your crew. Get your crew. Do comedy. And then, um, yeah, I think that would be my advice. Start a show would be advice, too. And um, don't feel entitled to anything and don't ever feel like you're too good for a show or a room um, because you're not. And so, yeah, just always do it. And then it's different in New York. But in Chicago, it's like people will see that you're fun and you'll get booked on stuff and it'll grow. And also, um, if you want to do this forever, there's no rush. So, like 
just enjoy the fun and the times and like things happen as they do. You can't, even if you can get success quickly, it doesn't mean you're good. Like, I think that's one thing, especially with podcasts and stuff. I feel people get so successful, but it's like, you're not, you, you can't fake experience. So it's like, don't try to do things because you got attention in a certain way. Like you have to do the work and get good. And then, um, watch a bunch of comedy. I think that would be my advice. Well, Lisa, thank you. Was so that much. good advice? That was good okay. advice, and I, I thank you for sitting with me and thank realize you. that you're you already are successful. No matter, I do feel that way. It was funny. I was at a no matter what you made joke about radio show, and mm-hmm. I said something. I was like, you know, I'm successful. He's like, hold on, you're not there yet. But like, I feel really cool. You're doing it. I can't believe it. Even every time I take a car over the the bridge mm-hmm. in New York and I see the skyline, I still am like. Not over the fact I get to live here. It's really awesome. And I know it could go away at any moment. So it's like, I'm going to live it up. Well, I'm glad you came here while you're still in it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. (laughs) This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.